Blue Shirts fans to episode number 174 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. It's obviously a tough day for Rangers fans coming into this series. I think we all kind of liked our chances. Obviously, Rangers versus Canes, this is an opponent that the Rangers have basically just owned all throughout this season, all throughout the last three seasons combined. 4-0 against them this year in the regular season, 10-2 combined the last three years, but it just wasn't meant to be for the Rangers in this series. I thought the Canes played some great hockey, and they complete the sweep with a 4-1 victory in Game 3 last night. And it really is crazy to think that in a four-day stretch, the Canes posted more victories against the Rangers over the course of just four days than they did over the course of three years before that. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to get into what the future holds for the Rangers, probably in some future episodes. Today, we'll focus mainly on Game 3 and the immediate aftermath of everything that happened in this series. And the biggest storyline for me to take away from this series as far as why the Rangers were swept, it's very simple. Four goals in three games. That's what the Rangers got. That is not going to get it done. And I saw a lot of people, you know, some chatter online about, oh man, you know, maybe this series could have been different if we had Igor Shesterkin for all three games. Or maybe it could have been different if we had Jesper Foss for all three games. Or maybe if Brandon Lemieux wasn't suspended for the first two games, things could have been a little different. And you're absolutely right. All those players certainly could have helped the Rangers cause, but I don't really know that it would have made all that much of a difference in the end as far as preventing the three-game sweep because, again, the biggest issue for the Rangers in this series was the inability to score goals. And certainly, Jesper Foss, Brandon Lemieux, they're capable of putting the puck in the net. They can contribute offensively every now and then. But do you really think that Jesper Foss would have spearheaded this offensive outburst for the Rangers? Do you think that Brandon Lemieux would have done that? Probably not. Again, both those players, they're gritty. They're scrappy. Uh, Brandon Lemieux, a very unique player. Jesper Foss really the first time that he kind of solidified himself as a top six forward in his career this year. So it was a great year for Jesper Foss, but I'm just not so sure how much of a difference it really would have made because yes, they would have helped them in certain aspects of the game, but I don't know how much they would have been able to help them offensively. And that again was the biggest issue. And to piggyback off of that point, the Rangers on the power play go one for 14, and that's really not going to get it done either. Is it survivable? Can you win a playoff series despite really scuffling on the power play? It's possible. We've even seen the Rangers do it in the past at different points, but that is a tall, tall challenge to overcome, especially when you're going up against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, who are a very good team. Listen, I know that the Rangers have had their number, but the Canes were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That doesn't happen by accident. They're a team that is playoff tested, and it showed in this series. You could show this playoff series to somebody who's never watched hockey before, and they could probably tell you which team had the more playoff experience, and that obviously is the Canes. And another thing that really worked against the Rangers in this series is I think Peter Morozik and James Reimer both exceeded expectations. I mean, look, I know they're both good goalies. They were both rock solid for the Canes this season. But coming into the playoffs, coming into this tournament, you look at the 24 teams, would I have put either one of these guys in the top five goalies in the playoff tournament? Would I have 
put them in the top 10 even? Probably not, but they both held their own. Peter Mrazek, like I said, in game one, not really tested all that much, but he was up to the task in game two, made some nice saves there. And then James Reimer, I really don't know when he turned into Jonathan Quick in his prime, but some of the saves he made in last night's game three were just absolutely unreal. Uh, the one at the end of the second period where, you know, Brennan Lemieux is whacking away at it and he's trying to get it into the net. And then Philip Heedle has a wide open net and Reimer just dives across the crease and gets a piece of it with his arm. Just a phenomenal save. The game was tied at one at that time. So if the Rangers score there, it's late in the second period, they get to take a 2-1 lead into the third. Maybe it's a different outcome. Maybe the Rangers hang on for the win. Maybe they even increase their lead because obviously the Canes, if they're down going into the third period, they got to take a couple more chances, at least at a certain point. Maybe not early in the period, but eventually the Canes would have had to start gambling. And obviously that never happened because the Rangers never took the lead. The Canes took the lead relatively early in the third period. And, you know, I'm not going to kill Philip Heedle or Brandon Lemieux on that play either because, first of all, Brandon Lemieux would have scored if it wasn't for the defenseman of the Canes. And I would look up who it was, but unfortunately I didn't write it down and my internet is out. I have no way of checking. I can't even use my cell phone data right now. Uh, obviously there was a storm here in the area. And so, yeah, I'm kind of limited what I can do right now. But the Canes defenseman basically just kind of, he was down on the ice and Lemieux was going to score and he kind of just, you know, shifted his body to the left and just blocked it with his shoulder. The puck goes behind the net. Uh, Lemieux passes back in front. And there's a pass across the ice to Philip Heedle. And Heedle's got a wide open net. And James Reimer, uh, you know, sticks out his arm to keep the puck out. And I'm not going to kill Philip Heedle for this. So, look, sometimes you got to tip your cap. That was an unbelievable save, an unbelievable sequence of saves by James Reimer in that spot. And so, you know, maybe the Canes goalies are just better than we thought. And, and, generating scoring opportunities was an issue for the Rangers really throughout the series. And then even when they actually did create chances, they're getting robbed by goalies who, you know, again, they're both very good goalies. I don't think I would say either one is elite, but they played like elite goalies when they needed to in this series. And in some ways, that's even more impressive because they weren't always that busy. But anytime that the Canes needed one of those guys to make a big save, it seemed like it happened. So just very, very frustrating. Thought the Rangers could have a little bit more success against these guys, especially since they own them in their regular season. Morazic, I believe, started three of the games. Games. The well, the Rangers won all four games, so we know that. But the Rangers beat Mrazek three times in the regular season. They beat Reimer once and scored a lot of goals in those games. And again, I would look up the exact numbers, but I literally can't right now. There is no internet. I have no way of doing so. So, you know, it is what it is. Those goalies kind of exceeded expectations, and the Rangers paid the price for it. And they also paid the price by not being able to convert on the power play. Again, one for 14. It's simply not going to get it done. And going into this series... You know, we previewed it, obviously, with Jared from Locked on Canes, and the two of us, you know, talked about a variety of different topics going into this matchup, and one of the things that we talked about was the Rangers' power play up against the Canes' penalty kill. I believe the Rangers in the regular season, the number seven overall power play in the league. I know that the Canes had the number two penalty kill, so that was a heavyweight matchup. We kind of knew that that was going to be big. It turned out it was even bigger than we thought it was going to be. And it wasn't just the fact that the Rangers went one for 14 on the power play, just the limited amount of opportunities that they were able to create. Uh, it really speaks volumes to how this series went. The Rangers just unable to put the puck in the net and the Canes on the penalty kill uh, just doing a tremendous job, uh, just limiting shots, limiting scoring opportunities, limiting everything really. And in fact, the only goal that the Rangers scored on the power play this entire series, that occurred in game two. They were down one nothing at the time, and Artemi Panarin tied the game at one. But even there, it was a five-on-three, and even there, it took longer than a minute of five-on-three action for the Rangers to put the puck on the net. Now listen, it still counts. You have to be able to convert on a five-on-three opportunity, and the Rangers were able to do that. But again, 
five-on-four power play opportunities for the Rangers in this series. It just was not pretty. They did not score a single time. And again, that's a big reason why the Canes won this series. Rangers just unable to cash in on their opportunities. As far as Ranger playoff eliminations are concerned, this one isn't really that high on the list for me. I mean, listen, it always stings when your team gets eliminated from the postseason. It's always rough. You always think in your head, you know, if they could have just done this a little bit better, or if that guy could have gotten going a little bit, or maybe if that goal didn't go in. You know, you just go through all these different hypotheticals where if such and such happened, then maybe the Rangers could have won this series. The reason this one doesn't sting as much for me, first of all, they were not even expected to be a playoff team this year. A lot of analysts, a lot of fans uh, had the Rangers at or near the bottom of the league standings, and the Rangers uh, basically kind of flipped the script on them, especially in the second half of the season, worked their way back into the playoff chase. Even before we knew it was going to be a 2014 playoff tournament, we knew that the Rangers were right there in the playoff chase. And there were some teams in front of them that were slumping right when the season was paused. They were just two points out of the last playoff spot, even if it was only going to be 16 teams. So the Rangers, yes, they were definitely helped by the fact that this was a 2014 tournament. Obviously, that opened the door for them to get in, but they might have made it anyway. And for this team to go from, you know, just a, a complete teardown, massive rebuild where everything is just basically flipped upside down for a couple of years to turn it around this fast and go back to being a playoff quality team, that's very impressive. And the other reason this doesn't sting as bad as some other playoff eliminations is the Rangers were, let's see here, they were 19 wins short of winning the Stanley Cup. It's not like they got all that close. This isn't 2014 where they were three wins short against the Kings. This isn't uh, 2015 where they lost in seven games to the Lightning. Obviously, you're five wins short in that scenario, and I think 2015 was the absolute worst because it really felt like the Rangers were going back to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. They were down three games to two to the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. They won game six in just convincing fashion. My guy, Derek Broussard, with the hat trick in game six and then game seven just basically laid an egg lost two to nothing in the garden and just like that your season is over so I think that one was the worst uh some other bad ones I mean I think it was 2012 against the Devils uh that series in the Eastern Conference Finals went six games the Rangers were the top seed in the playoffs that year and they lost in overtime in game six to end their season and then 1997 for some reason that season always just kind of sticks with me because it felt like the Rangers maybe that team that won the Stanley Cup in 1994 was going to make one last go at it and they lost in five games to the Flyers in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, again, this one, it's not that high on the list. A, because they overachieved this season. B, nobody thought they were going to be in the playoffs. And C, it's not like this series was really that close. And I I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but it's not like this was, you know, it went into double overtime in game five, and then the Canes won on a fluky bounce and the puck went in the net. That would absolutely, you know, kill you if you're a Ranger fan. But they got beat. I mean, sometimes it really is just that simple. The Canes were the better team. They basically beat the Rangers in just about every area that you can beat a team. And in fact, one of the only stats that the Rangers had in their favor, it's not one that you would have thought, was hits. They hit, they out-hit the Carolina Hurricanes in every single game in this series. But David Quinn talked about that after the game. Some of the players talked about it a little bit. That's not really who they are. They're not this team that just goes out there and just hits people for the sake of hitting people. That doesn't show your toughness. I'm kind of paraphrasing David Quinn here. Um, what does show your toughness is being able to take that hit, you know, driving to the net, taking that hit, and, and making a play anyway. But, you know, be that as it may, uh, the Rangers, like I said, you know, they got beat in this series. I, I Again, I know that's an oversimplification, but you look up and down, you can use the eye test, you can use any stat you want to go to. The Canes were the better team. That's why they're moving on. As for Game 3, 
I thought this was going to be the Rangers' night. I really did. I thought that they came out really strong in the first period. The rink was tilted in the Rangers' favor. Uh, you know, scoring opportunities, there were a couple in the first period, uh, more than we're used to seeing the Rangers get in this series up to that point. But it was definitely a strong start for the Rangers. And before I kind of, you know, run through the play-by-play -play here a little bit, let's go ahead and give you guys the line combinations. I mean, you guys were watching the game, I assume. It, it is the playoffs after all. But yeah, Mika Zibanejad centering Artemi Panarin, Pavel Buchnevich on the top line. That's fine. I mean, if Quinn really wants to put Mika and the bread man out there together, you know, I've got no issues with that. I mean, I would slightly lean toward keeping the lines as close to the regular season as you can, because obviously it led to a lot of success for the Rangers. It led to a lot of goals. And I think when you have Mika and Panarin on opposite lines, it allows them to kind of elevate the game of those around them. But he wanted to stack the top line. He did that. He put Buchnevich out there with them. And then on the second line, you've got Ryan Strom with Chris Kreider and Capo Caco. Uh, Chris Kreider playing by far his best game of the series, and it's not just because he scored a goal. I mean, if you guys watched the game, he was all over the place. Uh, he looked like a man possessed at times. A lot of really strong drives to the net. Uh, did a great job, I thought. There were a couple times he had the puck behind the Canes net, and he just did a great job maintaining possession, shielding the puck away from the Carolina defense. And then the third line, Brennan Lemieux, returns from suspension, and he's out there with Brett Howden and Philip Heedle. And then the fourth line, Greg McKaig, centering Philip DiGiuseppe and Julian Gauthier. I tossed out the idea of maybe going with Letary over DiGiuseppe, but really, I never really thought that that was going to happen. It was kind of wishful thinking and just the idea of giving this team a little bit of a spark in the scoring department because I like Philip Giuseppe. Don't get me wrong. He plays hard. He's just not much of an offensive threat. You toss Terry out there. He's obviously put up some numbers in the AHL. You never know what can happen, but Realistically, no. I, I I didn't think Letary was probably going to end up starting this game over DiGiuseppe, but it was great to see Brandon Lemieux back, and it was really unfortunate that he was suspended for the first two games. Obviously, he's a very unique player for the Rangers. He can get in the other team's head a little bit, and he, in fact, did draw a power play for the Rangers after a play was over. There was a skirmish in front of the Canes net, and one of the Carolina defensemen, and again, no internet, I can't look up who this was, but he basically punched Brandon Lemieux in the face and uh, took a penalty for that. So I don't know what Lemieux said to him, but obviously it worked. And then, as important as anything, Brian Lemieux smart enough not to retaliate, understanding that his team is about to go on the power play as long as he keeps his cool, and he did that. And Brian Lemieux set to become a restricted free agent. That's another thing we're going to talk about in some future episodes. We're going to dive back into the Rangers' upcoming free agent class. We'll look around the NHL a little bit and see who else might be a free agent, somebody who the Rangers might be looking to bring in this season. You guys know I'm going to campaign for Derek Broussard. Look, I don't think Derek Broussard is going to spearhead the Rangers' charge to the Stanley Cup next season, but I just think he's a nice veteran player who would fit in very well with this team at a position where the Rangers certainly lacking some depth at center. But yeah, the Rangers got an early power play in this one, and they got a couple of chances. It was probably better than most of their power plays in this series. D'Angelo took a shot through traffic, but James Reimer made a really nice save, got a piece of it with his shoulder and deflected it out of play. If that shot is just an inch or two higher, it might go to the back of the net, but that's hockey, you know, and, and Reimer, give him credit. He made a really nice save here. Not a bad power play overall, like I said. But maybe guys were a little bit too stationary on this one. There was an instance where Philip Heedle had the puck behind the net, and he was looking to pass in front. And I don't know. I just saw a couple of Rangers that looked a little stagnant. Not enough movement by the Rangers overall. But not a bad power play. Like I said, better than most for the Rangers in this series. The Canes got a power play, and this is when I started having issues with my internet and my cable and everything like that. Really, this was the only time that it went out in the game. But I missed the first minute of the Canes power play. Uh... 
but I did see Igor Shesterkin. The puck went on net, and he just basically shot the puck down the entire rink for a clear. That was awesome. And, you know, it does make you a little nervous when you see a goalie doing that, handling the puck as much as Shesterkin does, especially in front of the net and just going for a rink-long clear. But everything we've seen from him, everything we've heard about him, certainly indicates that he is very much in his element when he has to handle the puck. And so, yeah, I mean, if he can make plays like this every now and then, that's awesome. You know, he's they say your goalie has to be your best penalty killer, and uh, Igor Shesterkin really took that literally here, uh, just taking care of the clear by himself here. So that was really cool. But the Rangers do kill off the power play, and game still scoreless to this point. Artemi Panarin got a great opportunity. He created it all by himself. Basically, he goes in, steals the puck from the Carolina defenseman in the Carolina zone and goes in alone. I wouldn't really call this a breakaway because he didn't really have time to build up steam. He stole the puck already in the Canes zone, but he was one-on-one with the goalie. You will always take your chances there with Artemi Panarin one-on-one with the netminder, and unfortunately, Reimer makes the save and game remains scoreless to that point. And then I got to talk about this play. This is crazy. So Brennan Smith tries to take a shot from the blue line. He breaks his stick and it goes right to a player on the Canes. And you can tell they're about to go the other way. And they've got four guys. It's probably going to be a four on two. And Brennan Smith realizing that he doesn't have his stick Basically, hey, I just got to improvise. Sebastian Ajo has the puck. So Brennan Smith, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen him do on the Rangers. He basically just comes flying up full speed and just unloads on Ajo. I mean, just one of the biggest hits that we saw probably this entire series either way. This is probably the biggest hit of the series. Just absolutely laid him out. It's one of those hits, you know, you jump out of your seat, you're excited. Uh, really cool to see there. And and give credit to Brennan Smith on this play. I know he's definitely been up and down for the Rangers this season. He definitely probably fair to say a little bit of an overpaid player on the Rangers. I don't want to be too mean. I don't want to kill Brendan Smith. I thought he was okay in this series, but obviously an awesome play here, uh, thinking on his feet really quick and just laying out Sebastian Ajo. Uh, great play there by Brendan Smith. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 12 seconds into the second period, and the Rangers at long last take their first lead of the series. Chris Kreider goes in alone. Well, he he really didn't go in alone. He basically just uh, weaved his way around a couple of Carolina Hurricane defensemen, got behind both of them, uh, went in, and just put the puck home right from the doorstep. It was a tremendous display of both speed and power, that unique combination that Chris Kreider brings to the table. And 
again, one of the big reasons why I'm so happy that the Rangers re-signed him. Because players like that, that bring such a unique blend of that kind of speed and that kind of power, they don't just fall out of trees. And you saw both of them on this play. He just went right in there. He wasn't going to be denied. And he scores from the doorstep. And a uh, nice pass by Jacob Truba as well, dishing from off the boards to get the puck to Kreider, really kind of spring him into the zone. I thought Jacob Truba really played a great game for the Rangers in this one as well. Other than, obviously, one big mistake that he made near the end of this game in the third period. We'll get to that in just a second. But, yeah, great to see the Rangers playing with a lead. I mean, it had been a long time. It had been four and a half months since we saw the Rangers uh, play with any kind of a lead. So, obviously, great to make that happen against this Canes team because the Canes, as we've talked about, great defensive team, very in their element when they have the lead. And, obviously, here the Rangers finally strike first in this series. Canes start to get a little bit of a push after this. They start to finally set up shop on the Rangers' side of the ice a little bit. Uh, Shesterkin made a nice couple of saves. There was a right pad save that really stood out because he's just so cool, calm, and collected in there. You know, it wasn't like a highlight reel save, but the way he just kind of kicks his pad out, just kind of, I mean, I don't want to say nonchalant because that makes it sound like he doesn't care, but there's just a certain calmness that he moves with that you just love to see. It just, it gives you that confidence that like, man, this guy's got us. He's our backbone. He's our goalie going forward. But... Unfortunately, the Rangers can't get the puck out of the zone. Mark Stahl breaks his stick. Now, this happens. I'm not going to kill Stahl for this, but... God, this was the fourth time in this game up to this point that the Rangers, somebody on the Rangers broke his stick or lost his stick. Shesterkin lost his stick earlier in the game. Uh, there was an instance where Brandon Lemieux broke his stick. He had to kick the puck uh, you know, out of harm's way. And I don't know why this was happening so much in this game, but it was, and this time it finally cost the Rangers. The Canes... They've got their fourth line out there, and this this fourth line is doing a great job just keeping the puck in the Rangers' zone, not necessarily creating those A-plus scoring chances, but just keeping the Rangers back on their heels and maintaining possession. And then eventually, the Canes are able to change lines, and they bring, obviously, that top line out there, that dangerous top line that we keep talking about. And they got their, their big-time scorers out there, and Tara Vinen gets control in the slot, Goes top shelf, beats Shesterkin, ties the game at one. And Mark Stahl, again, he didn't have his stick. David Quinn talked about this after the game as well, that somebody, a forward on the Rangers, is supposed to give his stick to Mark Stahl. And I hear you, that absolutely is the right play. Although, I don't know that I can really kill the Rangers for this because I don't know that the opportunity was there. And it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Like, it only takes a second to hand your stick to somebody. But, you know, if you do that, you're kind of taking yourself out of the play for just a second or two and sometimes that's all it takes if you know you got two rangers who are focused on the uh you know the handoff of a stick they're gonna score you know it, it could very easily happen um and again you know it is a misplay by the rangers it would have been great if somebody could get their stick to mark stall but i can't kill anyone for this because i just don't know that the opportunity ever really presented itself the rangers you know they were gassed they're locked in on what the kings are doing they're trying to defend it i'm sure that if the opportunity presented itself somebody would have handed his stick off but unfortunately it just didn't happen and uh, leads to a goal for the kings tied at one just like that rangers definitely responded to some adversity here a little bit better than they did in game two obviously in game two when the canes took the lead early in the second period it led directly to another goal they were up 3-1 and they were off and running but here the rangers actually created some scoring chances panarin with a cross ice pass to adam fox fox took the shot but reimer got a piece of it with his helmet keeps the puck out and then Truber received a pass from behind the net in the high slot uh, reimer turned that one aside as well fox takes a shot from the high slot another save there's a scramble in front of the net the puck stays out and this is where there was a bunch of pushing and shoving after the play. Howden and Lemieux were involved, and the Rangers end up on the power play. Lemieux caused this. Again, we talked about this. It was actually Jake Gardner. I do have this in my notes here. But he basically just punched him in the face. And great play by Lemieux here, getting in his head a little bit and then being smart enough not to retaliate. But the Rangers get a power play, and 
this was a bad power play because the best scoring chances actually belonged to the Hurricanes, and there was a two-on-one. There actually could have been a breakaway early in the power play. Fogle took the puck away from Kreider. Kreider did a nice job getting back and cutting him off and preventing a scoring chance, but then there's a two-on-one. Shesterkin makes a really nice save, so the two best scoring chances on this power play probably belong to the Hurricanes, and obviously that is not the mark of a good power play. Game still tied in the second period here, and Igor Shesterkin with a couple of really nice point-blank stops against Sebastian Ajo, and then the puck is still laying there, and Shesterkin's falling forward, so he basically just dives and uses his stick to just knock the puck out of harm's way. Really a nice job by Shesterkin there. And then I don't even know how to explain this sequence late in the second period here, but I will give it a shot. I tried in the intro. I'll try again here. The Rangers had about four chances to score in the span of eight or 10 seconds. I don't know how this puck stayed out. Brandon Lemieux, couple of shots on the net. He went right up the center of the ice after receiving a pass, a save by Reimer, and then Vatanen blocks Lemieux's rebound stuff-in try with his shoulder. And the last save against Philip Heal, uh, Reimer again diving across the crease and using his, looked like his blocker to just get a piece of it and keep it out. But just so unfortunate. I mean, you're just kind of, as a fan of the Rangers, you're just kind of left in a daze after this happens. You don't have any idea how this puck stayed out. I thought Lemieux was going to score initially. I thought he was at least going to put home the rebound. And then when the puck got to Hedo on the other side of the net, I mean, it's a goal. How could this not be a goal? He's got a wide open net. And again, I'm not going to kill Hedo for this. I mean, you could argue that, well, he's got to find a way to put that puck in. Maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. But God, I mean, look at that save. That's a save of the year candidate. Uh, certainly a save of the playoffs candidate, at least thus far. So you got to tip your cap a little bit. Again, the Canes, they made plays. And it included both of their goalies who... We didn't really think we're really anything all that special coming into the series. I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I thought these goalies were definitely beatable. James Reimer coming in, making his first appearance in the playoffs in seven years, making his first hockey appearance of any kind in four and a half months. Didn't seem to bother him. He played great hockey for the Canes. Third period begins, and the Rangers were really back on their heels for a pretty long time here. In the first few minutes, Shesterkin bailed them out with a couple of nice saves. And then the Canes score on a deflection. Oh, God. Yeah, you know who it was. He who shall not be named took a shot from the point. You get a pair of deflections, and that's just way too hard to defend. And Fogel knocks it home to give the Canes their first lead of the game with just under 15 minutes remaining. And then this was just a really bad play by Jacob Truba here, which is unfortunate because I really thought he played uh, a really nice game for the Rangers in Game 3 up to this point. And I thought overall in this playoff series, I mean, you could maybe make the case that he was their most consistent defenseman. Um, I, I can't sit here and say that for sure, but I thought overall he was good, if unspectacular, in this series, but this was really bad. Sebastian Ajo, now again, you have to tip your cap a little bit because this guy, I mean, he's a phenomenally talented player for the Hurricanes. He made a great play here, but he comes in along the boards and just steals the puck right away from Truba. He weaves around D'Angelo like D'Angelo is standing still. It wasn't a good play by D'Angelo either, and just backhands it to the top shelf, and that makes it 3-1 to one with 9.30 to go. And at this point, certainly you don't give up if you're a Ranger fan, but again, you're down by two goals to this Canes team. There's less than 10 minutes remaining. You are facing a tremendous uphill battle. And, you know, down the stretch, the scoring chances just were not there. Stop me if you've heard me say that during this playoff series, but... They just weren't there. You know, the Rangers just couldn't set anything up. They couldn't get those quality scoring chances. They end up showing Henrik Lundqvist on the bench during the MSG broadcast, and you just can't help but think about him and his future with the team. Obviously, that's going to be a hot topic going forward. We will talk about what might happen with Henrik Lundqvist. Will he retire? Will the Rangers bring him back for the final year of his contract? Will they buy him out? Will they trade him? Will Henrik Lundqvist waive his no-move clause? Is there a team that will be interested in him? We're going to get into all that good stuff. Maybe if, if Lundqvist happens to retire or if he ends up uh, accepting a trade to another team, we'll do something, you know, top 10 
greatest performances by Henrik Lundqvist either. We'll make that into like a two-part episode. We will talk a lot, lot more about Henrik Lundqvist going forward in the weeks and months to come because, let's see, this is the beginning of August, and we will not be playing regular season hockey until probably December 1st at the earliest. So there's going to be a lot of time to talk about Henrik Lundqvist, and we will definitely do so. Like I said today, just wanted to focus on Game 3. As for the rest of this game, there's not really that much else to say. I mean, the Rangers, obviously, they pull Shesterkin. You got to try. I know you're down by two goals. Obviously, you got to give this a shot. You got to get an extra man out there. You got to just try and get the puck at the net, but it just wasn't meant to be. And then with less than a minute remaining, the Rangers actually got a power play with 131 remaining. So you're thinking like, ah, oh, man, you know, maybe just put one in and we can get at least an exciting finish here, if nothing else. But unfortunately, the puck comes out of the zone into the neutral zone. Sebastian Ajo gets to it, and there's a Ranger there, but he doesn't have the angle. It looks for sure like Sebastian Ajo is going to score, and that's exactly what he does. As soon as I saw Ajo with the puck in the neutral zone, I, I turned my head away from the TV. I just didn't want to see that last goal go in for the Canes, the, uh, the final dagger for the Rangers there. So I, I looked away before the puck ever went in, didn't even watch the replay, but yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's a 4-1 uh, win for the Canes. It's a series sweep, and it's a disappointing ending to the season for the Rangers, but I really don't think that this should take away from all the fun that we've had this season, from all the memories that we've had during this season, and I got to thank you guys too as well, because, you know, this is something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. This has been an absolute freaking blast this year. Again, to come on here, talk about my favorite hockey team every single day for the past however many months it's been. I think we started this in October, so yeah, we're in our 10th month of Locked On New York Rangers. So it, it's been a, a tremendously fun ride. It's been a blast talking to you guys through social media, through some emails. Continue to reach out, and don't think for a second that we're done here on Locked On New York Rangers because we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Rangers going to be in the Alexi Lafreniere uh, sweepstakes. I will work on my pronunciation of that young man's name, but I really haven't been all that focused on him. I've just been focused on the Rangers in the playoffs, uh, you know, trying to beat this Canes team. But now that they have lost, and again, I will stand by this belief from now until the day I die. You do not root against your team under any circumstances. I don't think you're a real fan if you're rooting against your team. If you're rooting against the Rangers to lose this series just to have a 1-8 chance at this player, then I I don't know. I mean, to me, that's just not the sign of being a good fan. You cheer. I'm not going to cheer for the guy that has a 1-8 in eight chance of becoming a Ranger over the Rangers who are literally right here in the flesh playing their hearts out. And I look, I know they didn't get the result. I know that they did not play their best brand of hockey during the series, but you got to root for your guys. You know, we've cheered for these guys all season. I'm not going to turn on them in the playoffs. Maybe the case could be made that it would be wiser to do that, to actually just root for the 1-8 chance, but I just can't do that. And But now that the Rangers have been eliminated, by all means, yes, get excited, uh, do whatever superstitious stuff you got to do, pull whatever voodoo tricks out of the bag that you got to pull out, do anything you can do to get the Rangers to somehow win this 1-8 chance, this draft lottery to get the first overall pick, and we can take Lafreniere and just be off to the races. I would imagine he probably won't even play in the AHL next season. It would be a similar situation with Kaka where they just put him right onto the Rangers. You don't know for sure, but I just get the feeling you go first overall, you're probably going to play with the NHL squad. At least get a chance, get a lot of rope uh, to show what you can do in the, uh, in the NHL. We get the handshakes as well, or they weren't really handshakes. It was fist bumps, the first ever uh, round of fist bumps after a playoff hockey series. And I was actually wondering about this. You know, when one of these playoff series ends, how are they going to handle it? Are they going to, you know, do the handshakes as they always do it? Will they leave their gloves on? They, in fact, left all their gloves on and just kind of bump fists as they went down the line. I think, uh, you know, looking at the Ranger bench, looking at the reactions after, it looked like Mika Zibanejad took this the hardest, and maybe Pavel Buchnevich as well. They both kind of had their heads down on the bench as the game ended, and you feel for them. You know, they just couldn't really get anything going. And obviously, you know, the Rangers star players just 
didn't ever quite find their A game. They just didn't ever look as dangerous as they did in the regular season. And so, yeah, you know, the season comes to an end. We'll talk about, you know, Mika Zibanejad could be wearing the C next year. Maybe it's Chris Kreider. That's another topic we're going to dive into. There's a lot to do here in the preseason. We'll even try to figure out a uh, playoff team to root for the rest of the way because we got 23 teams to choose from. we got to be able to find at least one likable team out there. Uh, you know, the Coyotes and the Lightning come to mind just because they have a couple of former Rangers. Uh, the Coyotes have, of course, Stepan and Ranta and Grabner, the Lightning, actually, they just have McDonough at this point, and Shattenkirk. I don't know how many of us really want to root for Shattenkirk, but yeah, we'll dive into it. You guys can let me know what teams you're cheering for, all that good stuff, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, not just this episode, but all season, and if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com, and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now, Go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.